fantastic study. And I didn't get the count. I think we're part of about 10 weeks in, 10 11 weeks in. And so now we've got to chapter 6. And uh, so we thank God that He's given us the strength to keep pressing through this. Uh, we looked at five, I think we got to five in about two, three weeks. Um, so uh, uh, five, we, we wrestled with a, a few things. And, and uh, now we're kind, of, we're kind of going from this idea of salvation into this idea of sanctification. All right? And this, uh, that, the idea of the sanctification is, is my daily my daily walk, uh, getting closer to being more Christ-like. Uh, you have the uh, regenerated spirit, but there's still some stuff that you constantly battle uh, because of that sin nature. So the sanctification period is us going closer and closer to God. Right. So that's what we're that's what we're kind of moving into now is the sanctification. Um, when we look at uh, Romans six, it, it really starts out. And I tell you what, let's start out with prayer. And we just came to prayer meeting, maybe some that are not a part of that. God, we thank you again for this opportunity to study. Uh, we pray for all of those that are joining us even now. Praying for those that see the recording later. And so we just ask you to bless them in this study. And through this study, we'll get a better idea of the will that you have for our lives. And we bless our efforts. In Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen. Amen. When you look at this uh, this chapter 6, again, we came out of, we came out of 5. And, and, and we had a real good uh, study in 5, right? We used, uh, we used Adam. We talked about that the idea of the, the Adam. All right, Adam being a, a representative, and then and Christ being the new Adam. All right, that's what we talked about uh, that reign, if you will. And so, uh, six starts out very interesting. Uh, it, it poses this thought, and again, we have these nice letters today on uh, these nice numbers, uh, but you realize when Paul would have penned this centuries ago, you would have had five and six right there. And so, uh, when you, a good Bible student will understand. Uh, that this is a continuation, if you will. So six starts out, what shall we say then? That's a question. And so that's why you have to study five. Because he's saying, so what does, what does it matter about when we come out of um, five? All right? So keep that continuity in mind. I think that's why it's so good to study books in whole. Because many times um, we study a scripture here and, and we go on and move on. But it's good that I think that we're studying this in, in a continuing fashion and we kind of seeing uh, this, this whole book uh, being put together. And so you, you get this question of, of what shall we say then in 6 1? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And so again, what you've got, and really Paul does this throughout the letter, but Paul anticipates the questions that are going to come from people. The questions are going to come from. Um, um, some of the enemies of, of the word, but you've got questions from those that are followers as well. And the same thing from us. Uh, uh, what is the consequence of, of grace then? If you're telling me it's not my works, you know, uh, an obvious question would be uh, if I'm, if the righteousness in my state, it's, it's a done deal in Christ, and I can't fall out of it. I didn't fall into it with 
works. That means I can't fall out of it with works. Well, then what is the, why should I even try then? Well, I just keep on messing up. And that's a question right there that, uh, that Paul is anticipating from folks. So that if, if you're saying that I get grace and grace is going to clean up my sins, if you will, then I should just keep on sinning. That helps you and helps me. You, know, uh, you get to keep on uh, giving more grace and I get to keep on doing what I'm doing. And so Paul, Paul and when you look at the Greek, Paul, when he, um, that's an emphatic. That's just not, well, then you shouldn't do it. No, no, no. Paul is emphatic. Then no. No, that's not the case. Go ahead. Then you were never, yeah, then you were never part of it. Yeah, you peeked into my notes. No, that's what, uh, no, that's what Paul, that's what Paul is, is uh, really saying. <laughs> See, what you're dealing with now, you're dealing with a new nature. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And so when you're talking about that new nature, there's something in us that doesn't even want to sin. I don't even want to see him. No, you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely on. So Paul continues to anticipate the rejections. Uh, Romans 6, um, 6 chapter to the 8th chapter, Paul defends his doctrine of justification by faith. Alright? So again, let's just kind of look at a couple of bullets that, that they'll kind of unfold uh, through this. With grace, do we continue to see it? Or that question that we've already brought up. Are we free to live as we want since there's no law? Romans 6, 15 through 76, we'll, we'll deal with that. And is God's law sinful? That's Romans 7. And, and we'll look at that next week and the week after if it be his will. Alright? So Paul defends justification and explains the sanctification process. <coughs> so let's, let's, let's look at this. Uh, in Romans 6, we, we kind of get this overreaching uh, theme, theme or overarching theme that we can live lives of victory. In Romans 7, you'll be looking, we can live liberated lives. And in Romans 8, we can live secure lives. So this idea again, dying, dying to live. Paul's instructions for attaining victory over sin. Alright? So we're going to kind of break this up into sections. Alright? 6, we're going to do 1, one through 10 right now and, and see if we can kind of peel this, peel this thing back. This idea of, of knowing, alright? You see the repetition of word and emphasis of Christian living depends on Christian learning, alright? See, the problem with, with a lot of us, and, and Paul really emphasizes this, but with the, the problem with a lot of us is we, we get to the point where we stop growing. That's why Bible study is so important. That's why prayer meeting is so important. Um, um, Paul, in one, one part, he talks about that I have to beat my mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. I have to beat it. And, and what that is, I have to constantly expose myself 
the witness of Jesus. I think I've used this example before. Um, there's certain movies out there. Just think about it. You can, you can be going through a, a, a decent day and have good, you know, good intentions, and there's certain stuff that can turn, turn. And there's certain movies that, that I, you know, as a show or two, it's gotten a little bit better. But I don't, I, I'm not studying the Bible all the time. I can watch some shows. <laughs> um, there's one or two. I can't, I can't watch no shows. I don't know how to do the title of it, but the first couple episodes, I looked at my wife, I said, this thing's going. It's changing. It changed my whole person. <laughs> it was so, so rapid, if you will, in some, some portion. But, but uh, what, what, I'm, what I'm using, I'm using an illustration, is you have to constantly pour the witness of the Lord into it. And if you don't, then you know the opposite of that. And you feed, you feed that old nature. And we know what happens when you feed that old nature. Look, there's certain music. There's certain music you're listening to before you know it's like, I'm going to change my whole My whole demeanor, my whole constitution's going to change. It's the You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. So let's look at this. And we're going to see the, the repetition of the words and emphasis of Christian living, uh, depending on Christian learning, per se. Uh, there's a bullet on there before I break too much of this down. Uh, there's a bullet on there that, that, uh, that uh, talks about um, ignorance and Satan's playground. Why do we study Romans? Why is it important that I understand uh, uh, where my salvation is at? Why is it important that I understand sanctification in that process? You understand that so you can deal with the enemy. See, one of the things the enemy will do, the enemy will try to convince us um, uh, as a result of some of the stuff that we do and some of the stuff that we think, they'll try to convince us that our, uh, our election's not sure. And with this book of Romans, and it should have already done that by now, it should have already, it, it, it convinces us that, that, that whatever happens, that, that, that as a result of his righteousness and me being in him, I'm secure. I'm secure. Now that's Satan, that's one of Satan's greatest tools, is to, is to deal with the power of his, of his believers. Quickly. No, you're right. We identify with Christ and righteousness and justification. See where Paul moves from discussing sins to discussing the principle of sin after chapter 5 and 12. So let's, let's make sure we understand that. He was dealing with a lot of individual sins in that first part, right? So now he's dealing with the root of sin, per se, and not an individual sin. That, that's, uh, he's dealing with the principle, the overarching uh, uh, reach of sin, and not just an individual sin. You kind of see Paul change from that. And then we see that Christ died for our sins and unto our sins. We'll talk about that as well, but, but um, I think I'm sorry. I preached a couple of times on it when I was doing I think I preached six a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, but look, he died. 
Big guys will see and steam. We go wild. We are the minds. Okay, so we'll, we'll we'll touch on that. Look at this uh, look at this chart right here, um, and I won't go through all of them, but it kind of breaks it down again uh, of where Paul ships. Um, we we'll talk about uh, Romans three twenty one through five twenty one. Um, the, uh, the theme, if you will, substitution is he died for me. But starting in Romans 6, we get to this idea that I died with him. And I identified with him. All right? That's where five really kind of broke off. We were literally uh, uh, identifying with Christ. We talked about that baptism. We'll talk about that some more today. But that becomes an identification with Christ. Alright? And then we say that he died for my sin, and he died unto sin. Uh, he paid sin, sin's penalty, but he actually broke sin's power as well. And in justification, um, you know, first couple chapters we're looking at righteousness, sanctification is the same thing as righteousness. <coughs> All this is because of our stance before God by way of Christ. Alright? So dying, dying to live, this idea of, of knowing. A justification by faith is a legal term in a living relationship. Justification brings life. We talked about that, right? It's a legal term. We understand the state that we're in, but at the same time, it guarantees a certain life state. We talked about the truth. We talked about that for, for a couple of weeks. What happened to Christ happened to me since I identified with him. <coughs> the union with Christ creates a new relationship to sin. That's what you were talking about. Right? Let's kind of break that down. See, sin now, once I'm in Christ, sin is just a whole new ball game. Alright? That's why we get the opportunity to say, well, you know, gosh, once we're in Christ, you don't get a chance to say, well, you know, the devil made me do it. Hold on. Theologically, we need to sit down. Satan has dominion over you like that, and we need to take a look at some stuff. Alright? So we now, in Christ, we have a new relationship to sin. You know, I just got something I shouldn't say to my heart. I took my breath and all of that. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll talk about that. Because it's interesting, even with our, our, our new state, we still have to wrestle everything. Yes. And that's why it's because of that old nature, right? Because you're still in this what? Flesh. flesh. Now, is the flesh bad, though? In and of itself? It's a good question there. Did the flesh start out bad? No. Yes. Correct. Yeah, the, the flesh was is neutral with you. It was the old nature that, that uh, turned the flesh to where, to where it's at. But the body itself, and, and the reason that that's important is because if you have the flesh evil, now see that that's really a Greek a Greek thought. Is that everything, um, everything flesh related is evil. And that's not that's not true. Look, Adam and Eve were in a perfect situation. They were in a perfect, perfect situation. They didn't want to match them. So the flesh itself. And so with that being said, you're thinking, well, she does nothing. That means we have the opportunity, everything that we do, we're going to talk about the wheel in 
volition and envy. We have an opportunity not to do it. If the flesh is evil, then you can just write it off and say, well, shit. It's a wrap. I didn't have a chance anyway. With that new nature and the spirit of God within us, everything we do that's, that we're messing up, we had an opportunity to not do that. No, no, there's no excuse. Just imagine the same spirit that raised that raised Jesus is the same spirit. Okay, let's try to let's try to progress with this real quick. Two through five. Uh, this dying to live. So this idea of knowing. Keep, keep that in mind. Certainly not. All right. How shall we? How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness, the newness of life. Alright? One thing that we're going to, uh, and it's difficult to, to do sometimes, is because Paul, Paul kind of bounces back and forth. And this is why some of many theologians feel like this is a very difficult chapter, is because he, he bounces back and forth, and we don't know if he's talking about, you have to kind of peel it back and look at it. Is he talking about um, baptism in a spiritual sense? Or is he actually talking about baptism, the actual immersion itself? All right? And so we're going to try to uh, kind of bounce back and forth. So Paul uses the illustration of baptism, and he has both the literal and the figurative in mind at times. All right. So to be baptized into Jesus Christ is the same as for one spirit, they're all baptized into one body. Trust in Christ brings immediate entry into, into the family in the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 10, 34 through 48. Basically what we're saying with that is the act itself of baptism is is merely an outward sign of what has already taken place in the heart. That's why, look, you can you can get dunked fifty times, but if there's been no change in the heart, it's not gonna do anything. It's gonna get your hair wet. That's that's all it, that's all it's gonna do. It has already um, there should have already been a, a change that's taken place on the inside. All right, and what that does, and we talked about it, but what, what baptism now does is it's my identif identification with Christ. And I'm not after our sister churches, but that's why that sprinkling. And again, if you, I'm not, come on, you don't go to their church and tell them they're, they're wrong because really it's a symbol anyway, but it's a powerful symbol. All right, and so it's my going down, and it's your going down, and literally dying. Alright? Literally there's a death. And then it's my little coming up a new, a new creature. Alright? So that's the so you literally die to see it. We're gonna touch on that a little bit. Alright? And so that's you know some of the stuff we're doing and we've been doing for years. We're gonna do something with that. So it's now a symbol of an inward experience. Baptism is not putting into Jesus Christ, but a picture of what the Holy Spirit actually does. All right, and we talk about the mode of baptism, and even in the early church, they did what we talked about. Uh, the actual mode was the 
full immersion. Full immersion. The picture is death, burial in the water, and then a resurrection. All right? The believer identifies with Christ in his death. All right? And in his burial. And in his resurrection. So we literally die, we literally bury, and we literally come up. All right? And that's the identification with him. So the believer, again, is dead to sin. The believer has a new relationship to sin. He's dead to us. Right? Our death to sin now has us past us when we do not want to continue with sin. We are alive in Christ and walk in the power of the resurrection. Somebody, somebody pull up Galatians 2, 2 and 20 real quick while I do this. Alright? So again, and he, and he, he answered the question. Certainly not. And the question was again, should we continue in sin that grace may avail? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Let me use a, power, a powerful illustration of Lazarus. Um, um, Sproles does a good job with that. I think it's Sproles. One of them. They have a powerful illustration with Lazarus that we'll probably uh, get to before the, the close of today. Um, but this newness of this resurrection is where many of us miss it. We are literally gifted, if you will, with something that should that should make us walk differently in troubles. We've got something in us that, that, that should, should, should make us deal with our neighbors better than what we do. And deal with our Folks in church Does anybody have that Galatians 2 and 20? Read that one more time, please. Galatians 2 and 20. Lazarus was raised from the dead. We know Lazarus, right? 
He was raised from the dead, but he appeared still wrapped in grave clothes. All right? Jesus commanded, loose and let him go. And at that point, he was encouraged to walk in the newness of life. All right? What would it look like for Lazarus to say, no, I'm going to head on back. I'm going to head on back today. That's what many of us are doing. We've been raised to this new life. And now they take the, they're, they're saying, look, you can get these great clothes off. And we're saying, um, I'm okay, I'm gonna head on back to the tomb. <laughs> but when we turn back to see it, it's the same concept. It's the same idea. They so and then we continue this talk in John 12. So we see that he's walking into the students of life. And then in John 12, Lazarus is seated with Christ at the table of fellowship. And so we get this idea that, that dead, raised, set to free, uh, set free to walk in the newness of life, and then seated with Christ. What a powerful, powerful picture. Uh, yes, sir. You're talking about uh, uh, yeah. I know where you're, you're at. This is uh, this is John. You're talking about the, the parable where um, where he asked to to I'm just gonna tell my brothers they don't want to be down here. Yeah. <laughs> the poor man who was in uh, you couldn't have heaven at that point. They were in heaven. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's a different matter. That's a different matter. Um, so the believer is dead to sin. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, I won't, I won't read that. Um, but this idea of too many between, <coughs> and I talked about that the other day. Some of us are in between Egypt and, Can and Canaan, right? We've been delivered from Egypt, and, and we've been told that we've got the promised land, and we're just we're sitting right there in the middle. We're sitting right there in the middle. Saved but never satisfied, believing in the cross, but not entering into the power and <coughs> the glory of resurrection. Our union with Christ assures our future resurrection after death. Our union with Christ gives us access to share his resurrection power today, though. All right? So you're saying, why do I read Romans? Because I get to understand these truths. Again, this is under the this idea of know. All right? And so this is my intellect. This is what I need to know in order to be effective in my walk. A believer cannot deliberately live in sin because of the new relationship with sin and the identification with Christ. The believer literally has no desire to return to sin. But how many of us were, were in such bondage? This is in all of us have. You shake your head, no. I'm not. But you can remember what that, that bondage yielded in our life. And there's some stuff that I was in. in I have to admit that I'm not careful about it, but there's some stuff that it almost made me sick to my stomach. Ain't no way I'm going back to that. I don't ever want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I 
So the dying to live again to know the believer should not serve sin. The believer should not serve sin. That's 6 through 10. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Seven. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Eight. And if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Ten, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lived, he lives to God. All right? Um, one thing, sin finds a willing servant in the human body to master. All right, this is what I, this is the book that I was talking about the other day, um, the other day and also earlier today. The body is not sinful, it is neutral. It can serve, it can serve either sin or God. Alright? So that's that idea where um, what master are you going to continue to feed? Okay? However, man's fallen nature is not changed at conversion and gives sin a beachhead in which to attack and gain control. Alright? That's why the that's why the body literally has to, as Paul said, be So it's, again, you can't say that, that the body is evil in and of itself. It's, it's, it's the fact that it's, it's dying, right? Um, you don't have that. New, you don't have that new body yet. At, uh, when you talk about the glorified body. The best example we had is who? When he came back. He was able to do some stuff. That's the best, that's the best picture we have of a glorified body right now. You don't have a glorified body right now. The believer should not serve sin. The old man, which is the old ego itself, was crucified with Christ so that the body does not have to be controlled by sin. Doesn't have to be, right? Destroyed does not necessarily mean annihilated, but rendered inactive, made of no effect. Okay? The same Greek word is translated loose in Romans 72. See the illustration of the widow who was free to, mur to marry. Law and effect, but no longer in authority. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in 7 as well. When a, when a woman, you could use a man too, um, is, is married, Law requires that what? You cannot marry somebody else. Right? If the spouse dies, the law is still in effect. But no one applies. She's freaking out. That's that idea of, of us dying, dying to the law. The law is. In essence, still there. 
but our new relationship, it has no dominion over us. That make sense? Sin wants to master and finds a foothold in the old nature and seeks to control the members of the body. In Christ, the old life is rendered innocuous. Sin and death have no dominion over Christ, and we are in Christ. Again, the key is that we are in Him. That's the key. You don't have anything in and of yourself that I don't either that can deal with, that can deal directly with sin. Outside. Christ died for sins and unto sins. We've already talked about that. So he pays the penalty and then he also breaks the power of sin. Alright? We talked about propitiation. We talked about that um, a few weeks ago. But there was, a, there was a debt that had to be paid in order to deal with the perfect. We were talking about perfect God. There was only one life that could, that could deal with that debt. Right? And that is Christ. So that's, that's the penalty of sin that is dealt with. But then we also see, um, as a result of the resurrection, the power of sin is also Through Christ, we reign in life, and sin has no control over our lives. And the key question is I believe this, but how do I make it work? Alright? Well, that's part for 6 and 11. I thought it was good. No. That's okay. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ our Lord. We see this idea of, of this word reckon. It's uh, used 41 times in the New Testament and 19 times in Romans alone. And we've already we've dealt with this word. But it's to put the ones in half. Our impute means to believe what God says in His Word is true in our life. We don't, and it should be done. We don't feel that we are dead to sin. The call to act on God's Word and claim. Reckoning is faith that shows up in action or acting or a fact. Alright, and here we go back to this idea of knowing. Knowing centers on my mind, the reckoning actually centers on the heart. Alright? So it's this idea again. I know for a fact where I stand. I know where my record stands. And so I walk in confidence. The sin has no meaning. Alright? So record. To put the ones that count are impute. Alright? And I also see that part of this. Um, walk on um, how I make this work is this dying um, to live is, is part of that is to yield. Alright? Yield is the place at one's disposal to present, to offer a sacrifice. The Old Testament sacrifices were dead and were are called to be living, we're called to be living sacrifices. In the Old Testament you, you had what? You had the law, but the sacrifices you had what? We had dead animals in the in the uh, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we're called to be living sacrifices. And with that being said, some uh, New Testament saints are called to die. We're not all called to die per se, in the physical sense. We're all called to die spiritually, but not in the physical sense per se. 
but we're absolutely all called to lead to be living sacrifices. All right? And so we're, we're talking about, again, this, this idea of, of yielding. The Lord has some to die for him, but he has all to live for him. How, how are we to yield? This is an act of the will based on the knowledge we have of what Christ has already done for us. Alright? This is an intelligent act and not impulsive. Look at 12, 13. We talk about yield. But first we talk about reckon. Alright? And then we now we're talking about yield. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Alright? We do not allow sin to reign in our body when we constantly obey its lusts. A yield, uh, we're talking about, again, volition. That's what you were talking about. I consciously, I intentionally understand what sin does to me and I do. I literally do not yield to the lust of sin. It's not just sexual. We're talking about sin overall. It's not just a sexual. Again, that's that intentional. It's not by chance. Somebody talked about luck earlier. It's not, it's not by, it's, it's not by chance. That I escape sin. Look, look, listen. If I'm not intentional throughout the day, if I'm not intentional about some stuff and intentionally fleeing sin, it'll catch me. I literally have to, um, I literally have to make sure that I'm built up. To deal with some stuff. And you all And again, that's that old, that's that old nature. Now there's some stuff that that I've grown in my walk with Christ. I've grown to the point that, that I can I can flee without 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 almost not thinking about it. But if I literally, if I remain, if I remain neutral, there's gonna be some stuff that catches. I literally have to say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk with Christ in this throughout the day, and, and, it'll, and it'll catch me just like that. I'm like, hold on, I can be prayed. Old people talk about being prayed up. That's that idea of being prayed up. That's that concept. There must be a final and a complete surrender of the body of Jesus Christ for the for the believer. Again, this is an interesting concept. You have to come to the point in your life, and we understand again that we wrestle um, all the time or daily with it. But there has to be a point where you, where you say, in this walk, that I'm not that I'm not going to um, uh, fall into into some temptation. There has to be that point. That doesn't mean that you don't wrestle with stuff, and you don't continue to wrestle until you go up. But there has to be a conscious a point in our lives when you say, well, just think about some of the addictions that you've dealt with in your life. So there had to be a point where you said that I'm just not going to let this be a. There has to be that point. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't 
I didn't maybe wrestle with some of that. But there was a point where I said, this is not going to define me. Isn't the scripture of Augusta saying that um, we're not given to the same weakness for the same thought? That's why we have to be gracious to and not boast and well, I'll never do that. Except for the grace of God, there's a lot there to lie. So it, it's hard. I know except for grace, you know, there to lie, that scripture, but the, the part where we, you know, try to get. Maybe myself, like, oh, I would never do that. Well, the Spirit let you know if you want to start it, it might be you. So, see, you know, I, well, I think as I age, I try to be a more tolerant and understand. Never accepting that the act of sin is correct. Mm-hmm. But, just maybe a sister or brother just And what tempts, you know, some people can drink a glass of wine and others drink a bottle. Yeah, there's something about that, that sin nature. There's something about that, that sin nature, like you said, where some stuff can affect um, me and it doesn't, doesn't bother me. Um, oh, and that's not what we're to do in our brother's keeper, too. Like, you don't, you don't boast or tempt. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Paul talks about that if um, if, if there's certain foods that that, um, that you have a problem with, even though I don't, and he was dealing with uh, paganism and some stuff like that. He said even if I don't have a problem with it, if it's, if it's a stumbling block for you, then I stay away from it. You know, that's a that's a that's a good picture. And look, with, with this fallen nature. It's, it's interesting because even when you talk about, and there's some, there's some arguments out there about some lifestyles and stuff, mm-hmm. and is it nature, and is it nurture, and, and, and all that. And, and it's an interesting study. Um, I, you know, I, I'll, the conclusion is that, that the fallen man is such that, that, that we, uh, we have an inclination to sin. Mm-hmm. And Stuff affects us differently. Mm-hmm. So we're going to study some of that. You know, there, there's some, like I said, there's some key topics out there. There's a church we need to we need to understand. So, so this idea again, um, there are still steps of surrendering our lives, but the initial step is necessary. The once and for all is based on a final and complete surrender. Although every day there is a new or fresh surrender. The Lord wants the believer's body because it is his temple, and he wants it for his glory. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Somebody pull that real quick. That's one that you're going to be familiar with. So again, how are we to yield? Keep in mind that the body is a tool and God's weapon, and God wants to use the members of the body for kingdom building. See in the Bible where God used the bodies to, or body parts for the fulfillment of his purpose. Um, your preacher on revival. Um, he, he talked about um, you know how some uh, some body parts were used. Um, we see where uh, in the message of the scripture as well, where the body was used in opposite directions, right? I see in the Bible where the members of the body were used for simple purposes. And, and we, we've had 
You talk about David. You know, you talk about his eyes and, and all that. But so again, you see with the body, again, it's neutral. And it all depends on what we see. Does anybody have that first Corinthians? Like 6, 19 through 20? Go ahead, please. And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with Christ, therefore glorify God in your body and your way. That's why you have to be, that's why you have to be careful. You don't get the opportunity to do anything with you. With you right now, if someone wants to take that, what I would consider um, far. <laughs> I've heard some folks use that on, on tattoos and stuff. Look, I'm not asking for tattoos. I got you. Y'all might not know I got tattoos. Probably got more tattoos than anybody's church. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not I'm not I'm not asking for tattoos or something like that. Um but I usually do believe. But with that being said, we have to realize that this is a temple. And the Holy Spirit is to reside. That's why it's so important in, in, in our discussions with our young ladies. With our young men, with people with our young ladies, it's critical to understand the importance of the sacredness. Same thing like, it's probably have more discussions with our young men. And, but, but, that, but that is a temple and the Holy Spirit resides. resides. Yes. And we miss that abundance. We miss out on that because we think there's freedom in the singing. That's that picture I remember the the um um the prodigal son. He thought the freedom was in getting out from under his father and taking the money and doing what he wants to. And when he understands or when he figured out, he figured out that there was death in that. Sin didn't cause anything but death. It brought him to the point where he was literally eating with the pigs. And the same thing though, we can't get too upset with him because we're in the same spot. God called us to walk in this abundance. And yes, it requires some discipline. But like you said, it's, it's bountifulness. Look, the, the Canaan was that was a good land. Big grapes. And, and, and many and many of them got caught up in, in pagan lifestyles. And the same thing happens to us. It's not tied into 
Put the money. Look, we've got some folks here. We've got some folks in high positions that have more money than all of us put together. You see more unrest? Everything I'm seeing. You see more unrest. You can't put Twitter, can't put the phone down, and more unrest. But it has nothing to do with that. Uh, so why are we to give? I'll tell you what, we'll close up. We'll close up with six. We'll close up with six next week. I don't want to rush into that. Um, um, so, so again, this, this idea of, of, of sin, I am, sin should no longer have the meaning. We'll, we'll close with that. We'll end it with, we'll, we'll finish up with 14 through 23. Go ahead and read a little bit of seven. I will print up seven, but I think we'll get to it. So go ahead and read seven if you have a chance this week. Um, and we'll, we'll tackle seven, but we'll get to the end of six. Um, but again, this idea of, of Paul, when they ask this question, should I continue to, to sin that grace may abound? He says, no, no, no. Your life should be such now that sin is turned away from it. It's not just for believers in, it's for us as well. Alright? Any questions? Does that make sense? God, again, we thank you. We thank you that as we continue to go through this, Father God, and just continue to, to learn, we continue to get in our business. So, just praying, just praying that we continue to use Romans, Father God, not just build up the individuals here, but build up the church, and build up the community, Father God. We can all be effective in community. Again, we just thank you for this opportunity to this study for four months. So, pray again, and all this will make a better job. This is your advice on Jesus' name, we ask all this. Amen. Amen. Any part of that?